Hello, hello, and welcome to Trek Companion. We are so excited to kick off Star Trek Picard's third season today. I am your host, Brian Williams. I'm Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And we're going to discuss The Next Generation and Disengage, the first two episodes of Picard Season 3. Let's do it! Star Trek Picard Season 3. Cast includes Patrick Stewart as Jean-Luc Picard, Jerry Ryan as Seven of Nine, Michelle Hurd as Rafi Musiker, and Ed Spalers as Jack Crusher. The Next Generation Season 3 Episode 1. Original release date February 16th, 2023. Directed by Doug Arniokoski, written by Terry Matalis. Guest cast include Jonathan Frakes as William T. Riker, Gates McFadden as Beverly Crusher, Orla Brady as Laris, Todd Stashwick as Liam Shaw, Ashley Sharp Chestnut as Sidney LaForge, and Anthony Azizi as Ryan Drug Dealer. In the 25th century, Dr. Beverly Crusher and her son Jack are attacked aboard the SS Elios. Beverly is injured and sends an emergency message to her former Starfleet captain, the retired Admiral John Luke Picard. Picard and his current love interest, Laris, are planning a trip when he receives the message, and she encourages him to go help her. Beverly told Picard not to involve Starfleet, so he goes to his former first officer, Captain William Riker, to help him. Computer, try Codec Myriad. Authorization Picard 47 Alpha Tango. Accessing. It is a recorded message. Here. Decrypted. Admiral Picard. I'm encoding this transmission with coordinates. Beverly. Listen to me very carefully. Hellbird. Repeat. Hellbird. Hellbird. And John Luke. No, Starfleet. Trust. No one. It's a miracle. <laughs> We've waited so long for some good Star Trek. And, you know, it's funny because I feel like I was saying so often that here's the things that I like in Star Trek. And, it, and if, they aren't, if they don't do those things, then maybe I can't enjoy it as much, right? Maybe it can't be good. I wanted story of the week, not serialized. Like, say, you know, as a reaction discovery. Discovery's serialization. We got Strange New Worlds, Story of the Week, which is more traditional Star Trek. I wanted um, not the entire galaxy is at stake again. I've talked about how sick I am of that. I wanted not a big con-like villain. This show does all of those things, and it's great. And when I say this show, from here on out, if I talk about Picard, (laughs) I'll talk about season three. Picard season three does all of those things that I said can't make for a good Star Trek show. And this is great. And I love it because it's good. And uh, I'm happily eating my words because uh, it's a miracle, this this season three. It's great. Steve, our resident Next Generation fanatic, get us started on the Next Generation. Yes. Yeah, so, and I'm not sure I should be say this, wait until the last episode, or do, I'll just do it from the get-go, because I echo the, the miracle kind of stuff you talk about. I, I, I kind of view this whole season as, as a gift. And I think it's like, it's, it's something kind of rare, and it's difficult to describe. You, you never can really 
go back to your childhood, right? You never can really relive the great moments and do all the great things. But the next best thing would be to gather all the pieces of it together again and have have closure, have something a, a good, you know, I, I grew up on next gen. That's when I started my Trek fandom. I've talked about that before. And, um, this is just, this is fantastic. I can barely believe season three happened. That's how I feel about how, how good this was with these characters. So I'm, I'm beyond pleased, but yeah, right from, right from the start, this, this, this starts off with a bang. We see, we have, uh, the scene with, uh, Beverly who have, again, we haven't seen, you know, in 20 years, whatever it is. And, uh, it's, uh, it's exciting. It's interesting and, uh, carries on into picking up from the last season. So we have Laris, one of the, one of the positive elements of the whole series thus far. And, and you get their conversation and they do wrap up some things so he can begin this, you know, journey, which becomes a completely different animal from the first two seasons. Right. I also found that, uh, I, I think I liked it even better the second time viewing it. So this is the second time I've viewed it. I saw it all the first time. Um, I think somehow I liked it even better, at least these first couple episodes, I think because you see the little things they, they sprinkle throughout that, that, are, that foreshadow certain events, but they don't do it in some pedantic way or, you know, tedious, silly way where you're ahead of the game or you know where the story is going to go ahead of time. So um, you can kind of appreciate that more the second time through. But but yeah, and I'm and I'm also amazed in this episode how much they pack into it, and it doesn't feel like you know kind of night and day from what we talked about in the first couple seasons. They take advantage of their time, kind of in the same way, um, in a in a different way. But the but the way Lower Decks does, we talk about how much they pack into those episodes. You know, the, these you know forty some minute, fifty minute episodes, they had a lot going on. And in fact, I was kind of surprised. It's like, oh yeah, they did all this in the first episode. I was somehow thinking some of this, you know, the second viewing, I was forgot. Oh yeah, they cover all that ground here, you know, to set up where they go from here. And yeah, and uh, it's it's yeah. I, I mean, I will get into all the details, but I'm I just I just thought, I think this is fantastic. It's it's inter- keeps you on your toes. It's entertaining and character development. One thing you were talking about was the little stuff they kind of set up and stuff and that you can really enjoy even more the second time. But it's the exact kind of thing that we talked about in the previous season. I don't remember what it was, but there was something where we're like, why didn't they change this line back in season in episode one or two? Because it's just it, it's like this it's like a totally different writing team. It doesn't make any sense. This whatever we whatever it was, like episode seven or eight versus episode one. If they had just changed a line or something, then and it's you know it was it didn't make any sense anyway. Here it's just it's it's so well thought out. It's I've actually watched I, this is my third time through. <laughs> I, I rewatched it all before we went back through it before now. It's it's so well thought out. Everything makes sense in a way. There's just little stuff like like in this episode we get the uh, have you ever seen you know Riker and Picard's conversation when they first arrive on the Alios. Have you seen blaster fire cause ashes like this? No. I mean, just some, whatever that, some line about like that. I mean, now we know what that, what that weird, what that creature was. I I guess we should say that we're minor spoilers are okay. We're not going to do huge stuff. You know, maybe something small we can say, but let's not, we won't, we, we won't say big stuff. We'll, we'll keep the big stuff in reserve just in case. Yeah. Like something like, like that line, you know, it's just one little thing, but. It's just, it all makes sense. Later, when we start finding out stuff about Jack, when you find out the actual details, 
know, maybe some people liked what turned out to be the truth. Maybe some people didn't. I personally thought it was cool and I liked it. But it completely makes sense. It's an, it, it's entirely entirely makes sense. You know, it's very well thought out. But that's just one little minor thing that just makes it, you know. Uh, Adam, your first thoughts here. Yeah, I agree with virtually everything you two have both said. I mean, this season was thoroughly enjoyable. Um, so much more organized in what they were doing. And, and you know, I'm, I'm looking at the writing, and I, I actually noticed this on in the first viewing and um, more so, obviously, in the second viewing. It's like... Steve, you were saying they packed a lot into these into these episodes, and they did, but they were focused on on the story at hand. So I think a lot of the complaints that we had with the previous seasons and with other shows is there are all these tangents that are going on. I don't. There wasn't any tangents in this whole series that I can recall. Maybe maybe the next time around, but every every storyline, everything was focused on this story and. Within that story, you got the character development. You got the re- revelation of Jack. You you know, we'll discuss in our next podcast the great scene between Ricard and Beverly. Um, now, of course, it's it's a little bit there's a little bit easier because we all know these characters, and so we all know their background as opposed to the first two seasons. They're introducing new characters, and we're having to get to get to know them. So I'll give them that leeway. But yeah, I just felt like you know they didn't introduce too much too soon so you know if you look at this season you know we got characters introduced to us you know periodically throughout the season and then towards the end you know they're all together again so they didn't jam everything all in at once like okay the whole crew's back together and this is what they've been doing and you know you're doing this storyline and doing that storyline so i just kind of felt like they had a more organized version of what they they knew what they wanted to tell they knew how they wanted to tell it, and they had it organized, and they kept the audience as, as, as packed as things were. They kept it simple so you weren't confused, you know, or you weren't going off on a different direction here and there. So those are the observations that I the, – the biggest observations that I made from the writing and the way the show was made in this season as opposed to the first two seasons. Yeah, and, I'm um, sure we'll talk a lot about the way they – bring in the characters slowly over the episodes, but that was such a great choice. It, everything that happens ends up and feels so organic and they're, they're spoon feeding you. I mean, this whole se- series. Yeah. Se- yeah. Season. How lame would it have been if this episode had just opened with all of seven people? You know, yeah, no, I mean, no, 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 no. And now that people are seeing the show, I, I, anybody that's seen the show, I don't think they would say, Oh, you would just like it because all the legacy characters are back. I don't think anybody would say that having seen the show, but, in case somebody wants to make that argument, um, here's other things that are different about this. Things that, about season three versus seasons one and two. That again, it, I mean, it just feels like a totally different show. But you think about, think about the tone. The tone, which is, <laughs> I'm, I'm not exaggerating and I'm not lying when I say <laughs> the, the, the shot where Riker and Picard's shuttle first come upon Space Doc. Yes, <laughs> listeners of our podcast know how much I cherish Space Doc. I love Space Doc. When we first saw Space Doc and that music was playing, there might have, you know, there might have been some sobbing in the room where people were watching the episode. I was the only person in the room, and this might not be the only episode where that happened. <laughs> but you think about just it opens with freaking they use Jerry Goldsmith's first contact music at the beginning and the end. Right. Oh, the, the opening real quick. The opening sequence is is I love the opening sequence. It lasts yep. ten seconds. It's a card and a title. Think they they give us the title card like we can see the title of the episode. 
but you, we get music leaving space dock was a big deal we hear that now not just so this opens and closes with with jerry goldsmith first contact music but they sprinkle his motion picture music throughout and stuff i don't know if james horner got an explicit credit but it's very there's a lot of stuff that you do that's very very james hornery as well specifically like star trek 2 leaving what's the name of that thing where they did the refit the where where the enterprise is parked anyway whatever you know when it's when it's first leaving there and they reuse the shots from motion picture but they have the james horner music there as it, as they're first leaving or in star trek 3 when they come arrive or leave space talk moving this big ship feels like star trek it doesn't feel like star wars and that's how it should be and there's just these kind of tonal choices conscious choices these are not accidents very different compared to the first two seasons shots of freaking consoles <laughs> you know there are all these things that i i didn't realize how important they were to me until they were gone and i got them back later there's going to be a little bit of techno babble the right amount yeah but there was just like this this incredible tone uh and this here's one thing i'm going to talk about consistently i think all 10 episodes of season three is i don't think anybody's ever you know because there's the star trek television shows and there's the star trek movies and you know star trek is a tv show first and foremost but we all love the movies especially the good movies and as i've talked about a lot for me it's especially that early to mid late 70s to mid 80s movie era that in some ways is my favorite because that's what maybe brought me in but i've never seen a tv show so elegantly combine all those star trek tv episodes with the star trek movie stuff we've seen each one failed we've seen shows that have failed to that have tried to emulate movie stuff and fail we've seen movies that have tried to do tv kind of stuff and fail I've never seen a show do this and they, they take the best pieces of both. And I, I wouldn't want every show to do this. I'm not saying do this in Star Trek from now on, but I wouldn't even have guessed that you could do it and it could be so great, but this show sure as hell does. I do. I do have one complaint about this episode and that's minor. The refit of the Titan confused me because it looks vastly different from what we saw in, um, lower decks. Yeah, it looks Vastly. so different than it looks like, like a brand new ship. I, w- I kind of wish they would have... How is that a refit almost? Yeah. I would kind of wish they said, oh, this is the Titan A or whatever. I mean, it, it kind of was confusing. This like, is the Titan is- A. Oh, was it the Titan A? Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it would have to be. But it's completely different. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's a bit confusing, but reading some summaries and stuff too, which I try to do before these to really nail down the details in the episode, I think I think it's because it's kind of a it's a it's a beyond refit kind of thing, right? It is technically a new ship with some of the old like the old computer or something like that, you know, because he makes that reference with purging the you know Riker's files and all that stuff too. I think that might be what they're alluding to that essentially it's practically a new ship, and that's why they renamed it an A and all this stuff and got some of the innards of the same or something. Because yeah, I mean yeah, I went and looked back. I went and looked at the the Titan from, we never got to see like a live action version of the Titan. I don't believe in any point other than um, lower decks. And, right. it's, and and Shaw says he's been there for like five years or something. Right. So we know that he must've taken over after Riker, but, but before the refit. Makes sense. 
like I said, it's a, and it's it's a it's a fanboy. You know, the the was the um, retro Constitution class is that what they called it? Or something, yeah, something, or along something like that. So, yeah. Neo Constitution. Neo, yes. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I mean, can make it look like just like the Constitution or whatever shape. Well, Brian, it's it's what you were saying. You know, it it, it works. But I'm like, you know, it, it's a fine line. You they throw they throw a bunch of stuff in here that is just fanboy stuff. And it works. I mean, I guess they, you know, they watch lower decks and. Figured and out. I think if somebody didn't, somebody could still completely enjoy it, even if they don't. Oh yeah. You know. Oh, absolutely. Same, same, same. Feel the same way about lower decks. I mean, there's so many. Even you know the the scene when Picard um, meets LaForge's daughter. I'm like that brought me back to um, generations when Kirk was yeah. on the the Enterprise and met Sulu's daughter. So I mean, there are these little things, you know, these re, you know things happen over and over again but i mean yeah they're able to like kind of bring all this stuff together and it's it's a genius way to do it but we know it can be done because they do it in lower decks every week on their episodes this isn't a complete they don't completely refute seasons one and two yes throughout this this season three there are going to be some lines and stuff that kind of pee on stuff that happened in the first couple of seasons but it's not like a complete rejection seven rafi you know these are important characters there are references to Picard's synthetic body, and if this if this season had just started, if this had been the beginning of Picard, <laughs> I don't feel, think we would have felt like we were missing anything. Real quick, you mentioned how awesome was Seven in this season? How awesome was Jerry Ryan? I mean, I I felt bad for her in season two because I, you know, her character didn't really have any any you know you could have left her out of season two and you would have known. I mean, that's how yeah. poorly they wrote yeah. her character in the last season. But this season, I mean, she's a she's a badass. I mean, I mean, really, and she has a prominent role throughout this this entire season. That especially these first it. few episodes. Yeah. Uh, same sure. with Rafi. And then let's talk about the uh, the new character, Shaw. He's a he's great. He's great, and some of that. I mean, it's the writing, but it's his performance. You know the the scene in this episode, the the dinner scene. That's I mean that's probably the best writing in this episode. It's really good, and his the, his performance is really good. We we meet Complete him for the first stay. time in that dinner scene, and in five minutes, I feel like I I got it. I I understand that guy. You know, I, obviously, all of us Picard Riker lovers are like, what an a hole. But does he doesn't say anything that's wrong? You know, he's a little bit. I don't know, like Jellico, except he's he's actually got a, a chip. He doesn't just do things differently. He's got a chip on his shoulder, and we'll find out, you know, some reasons why later. But he's really great. I mean, and how often in, in all the years of, of Picard and Riker have they been kind of put, not maybe not put in their place, but I mean, rendered powerless to, you know, this guy. I mean, it was, a, it was an interesting, um, yeah, it was definitely cool contrast from what we've seen throughout. I really, I mean, real quick, I really enjoyed the the opening scene with Beverly Crusher. They mean they really, I mean, you go back to Next Generation. Beverly Crusher was the doctor. She was the mom. She kind of was. She was kind of the mom of the crew of 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 the of the original cast of that. And here she's, you know, fighting it out. She's injured. I mean, just to completely, they completely upend her character here, and it works great. I mean, I mean, you know, we'll get to see more of that throughout the season. That's really true of a lot of the characters in this show. Like, Crusher never got, ever, a moment like she gets. Like a, like a real character in this show. Same is probably true for Geordi. You know? I mean, the 
Next Gen, the show, it had a lot of Picard and Data stuff, maybe maybe a few Riker things, and that was kind of it. And but this show, Worf. it just you don't a little bit, probably more on Deep Space Nine, but you wouldn't make a show today like you make then. So we get like this. I mean, it's 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 really satisfying as a lover of these characters and a lover of the show. Uh, it must have been very satisfying for the actors who never got to do anything, you know, to stretch at all. It's such a weird thing because it isn't like an eighth season of Next Gen, but it's not a third season of Picard either. And there's no way nobody would have made something like this in the 90s, it, you know, ever. It's it's really fascinating. Well, of all the show, you know, we, this isn't this isn't an episodic series. I mean, this is in line with this is a modern television show, and it's. I feel like this is the first time Trek and its new, you know, genre here has made that work. Because I, I mean, you know, I think you guys can agree. You know, the first two seasons of Ricard didn't really work. They weren't, and I, I've never felt Discovery was worked really i mean maybe the last season was okay but i mean but this season they actually made it work and they it feels like a real modern good television show well i can't i can't imagine that it's 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 i'm sure it's not easy to do what you know this was to do this where you have like a a arc like a big story but then each episode has a some story too you know where it still feels like it's not just chopping up a you know, eight hour long something or whatever it is into 10 episodes, you know, that, that can't be easy to do, you know, to time everything just right where there's a, there's a peak and a final finale and it goes to the next one. And it's not just so, and they, they just, that's another thing they do fantastically in this, in this uh, season, they just, uh, they balance that out kind of in the same way they balance the cinematic feel with still feeling like hearkening back to, you know, the TV roots of, of, of Star Trek too. The other thing about this show is that it it's pretty much you don't realize that it's going to be mostly set on the Titan and mostly be a ship show even this even in this episode. You don't realize that. But that is what it is and it's they did it in a very like organic way. Nobody's going to think of Picard season 3, you know, the way the way you think of the Enterprise in um the original series or Next Gen. You're not going to think Picard season three with the Titan, I don't think, but that's what it is. But it, it's, it feels right. It doesn't feel like, I mean, all these guys are old and they're all, you know, retired or all spread across the galaxy. It wouldn't have made any sense to just drop them onto a ship together, but here they make it, they make it work because it's not the show's ship in a way. I don't know. It, it's very intelligent and, and, and smart and clever writing. But, and... but they're subtle because the t- it looks like the Enterprise. You look at the Titan. Yeah, that Neo you... Constitution saucer section, right? Yeah, I mean, so it's it's clever. It's not it's not the Enterprise, um, <laughs> but it looks like the Enterprise. So it's you you feel at home with it, especially for the lovers of the um, you know original series. This episode ends with the Shrike kind of arriving and and in front of the Elios. And it was another one of those moments where I just thought, what a perfect combination of big movie thing in a television episode, but still feels like movie thing. You know, it reminded me of that, you know, Nemesis is not a great movie, but it's got a few great moments. Like when the um, bad guy ship, all our listeners are like, it's blah, blah, blah. Anyway, when that ship arrives and you had that almost like, 
I mean, it sounded like Jerry Goldsmith Nemesis music, but you know, it feels like this big movie moment and it works and it does not, you know, they can't, the, the strike is too big to fit inside the frame. You know, it has to come into the side of the shot and it's cool. You know, it, it works really well. And, it, and it, it's, it's funny. You mentioned that the repeat imagery that we've gotten, you know, all, it's almost like they've, they snipped scenes because you're right. That's, you know, that's from Nemesis. I, I mentioned, you know, Star Trek Generations with the, you know, the daughters. Scimitar. Scimitar. But yeah, I mean, these repeated imageries that they, that you've seen throughout Trek and they've been able to reconstitute them into this without subtly, without you kind of really knowing it. Well, the, the other thing that this whole season is going to be is like, I, I've talked about, Jurassic World uh, 3, where we finally brought back these legacy characters, and it was such a you know once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and it was a waste of resources, because it was bad. Here, like, we got everybody together, and it's good! Like, it's like, amazing opportunity A, and it's their best written, se- best written season of Star Trek in 20 years, I'm at least, more, probably. It's, uh, it's a, that's why I say it's a miracle. Seeing Laris in this episode reminded me of that. If I really want to be nitpicky, I didn't feel like by the time we get to the end of the season that I necessarily needed to see her. But it was the one thing where I'm like, she certainly makes it sound like there's something that needs to be resolved there, which does not get resolved in episode ten. But I mean, that's that's me really trying to be to find something to say. Which is this one? Which if maybe there's a little bit of disappointment because they're really good together. She's really good. I mean, I think I think we can agree that we liked her character from the first two seasons, and we thought her and um, Patrick. I mean, I kind of felt her and Pat. They it was believable their relationship. Yeah, and they so, had some I mean, chemistry. Um, I mean, like I said, it's not the end of the world, but I I noticed that too at the end, Brian. I was like, eh, where's Lars? But all right, so a wonderful return to form. Yeah, even even showing us the title, it's such a silly little thing, but showing us the title of the episode. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, how do you say his name? Matalus. Thanks, Terry Matalus. All right. What is this episode about? What I kind of garnered from it is, um, you know, for early on in the episode, um, Picard, you know, he he angsts over this message from Beverly. You know, twenty years. Um, I don't think. You, we're not quite old enough to like, um, you know, maybe some of our old blockbuster friends. It would be like some of our old blockbuster friends twenty years ago, Brian. You know, contacting us. Um, but there was such a bond and a connection with that crew. It's almost like a family. So you always, I mean, I, I think it's coming together for those you love is what, and those that you've bonded with through life experiences is kind of the, the messages that I um, that I got from it. You know. Card went to Riker and automatically they're they're back together because they know um Beverly need, needs help. So it's it's about being there for those that that you love, as I think. Well, even even before that scene, even before he gets the message from Crusher, Card is talking to Laris and he says he's not a man who needs a legacy. He just wants a new adventure. Yeah, you know, I I, I think all that too, and and being there for each other and the family aspect, and and early on when. Uh, uh, Picard and Laris are talking and they're having the, like you alluded to that conversation and um, 
where yeah he it, the past matters right it's it's finding that balance of you you want to move forward you know and then and, and it's kind of on a strange meta level it's like the whole series there's kind of a lesson here it's like they learned it in time to salvage this third season in that uh you know when you have when there's a legacy and there's a big history there you ignore it at your peril you know because it is it is part of what got you here you know and so in this the the past matters uh even if you want to move forward too and so that's kind of like reconciling all that and then creating a you know a new future and obviously there's a big revelation at the end of this episode for for picard and um and so it's, it's kind of like, well, no, the, the, pa- the past catches up to you and you may want to just forget and move forward with everything, but it, but it is always there and you have to acknowledge it and let it be part of you. Especially the unresolved past, because obviously, you know, mm-hmm. between him and Beverly, there was this unresolved, you know, he, he says, you know, we didn't end on good terms. So. All right, let's do six degrees for the next generation. Steve, this episode opens with the text in the 25th century. Which movie opens with the text in the 23rd century? Hmm. Oh, Star Trek Generations? Nope. Adam? Um, Undiscovered Country? No. Star Trek II! The Wrath of Khan! It's got that, uh, the Kobayashi Maru. It opens with, no. okay. Uh, right. Blank for both of us. Nobody got that one. Moving on. <laughs> Disengage, Season 3, Episode 2, original release date, February 23rd, 2023, directed by Doug Arniokoski, written by Christopher Monfett and Sean Tretta. Guest cast include Michael Dorn as Worf, Jonathan Frakes as William T. Riker, Gates McFadden as Beverly Crusher, Todd Shashwick as Liam Shaw, Amanda Plummer as Vatic, Aaron Stanford as Sneed, Ashley Sharp Chestnut as Sidney LaForge, Randy J. Goodwin as Jay Huang, and Robert G. Morgan as Fenris Ranger. Picard stops the Shrike from transporting Jack off the Elios, but it then captures the Elios itself with a tractor beam. Seven persuades Shaw to intervene, and Beverly is transported to the Titan's medical bay while Picard, Riker, and Jack are brought to the bridge. The Shrike's captain, a bounty hunter named Vatic, reveals that Jack is an intergalactic criminal with a large bounty on his head. Shaw has Jack arrested and intends to turn him over to save the crew, despite protests from Picard and Riker. Delay that. Admiral's orders. Lock it down. Shuttles. Transporters. The boy stays here. You are going to get us all killed. Why are you doing this? Because he's my son. Tactical, full power to forward shield. LaFords, get ready to fly. Stand by to execute commands. Whatever happens next, Admiral, that's on you. All right, Adam, kick us off on disengage. So, yeah, we just jump right in, we, you know, right from the last episode. Um, Picard and, and um, Riker, obviously, they left the Titan and they went to the Elios to, you know, do their thing to to find Beverly and, and savor that kind of thing. So they're on the Elios. They discover Jack. Um, 
Riker, you know, they kind of give subtle hints. Riker, Riker gives the looks. Um, Jonathan's great, you know, he's a good subtle actor about like who is this kid? You know, British accent, you know, kind of chiseled jawline, kind of Patrick Stewart looking. So right from the get go, there's a um, you're given the impression that this might be Picard's son. I mean, they don't they don't really um, they don't dance around it for too long. Um, the effects I I enjoyed the um, the Titan knocking out the um, the tractor beam. I thought that was a cool shot when it when they came in to save the Elios. Um, obviously, you get the play between Shaw and Picard. Um, Shaw, I'm, it's hard not to like Shaw, especially once you get through the whole series and you, you kind of see where this character is going. But you know, he's he's really kind of giving off the the a hole vibes here in the first two episodes. But you can kind of see his point of view. You know, he's this is my ship, this is my crew. I got to protect them. Um, he's being a captain, but obviously we all we love our legacy characters, Picard and Riker, and we're on their side. But it's going to be um, it's going to be interesting talking about Shaw. And I think you know I can't remember the actor's name, but I mean I think he does a great job playing this guy um, and the character, and I think it's well written. Um, the back and forth between him and Seven is good. Um, and like I said, the back and forth between Picard and him is good. I mean I, I like the scene. He's like, <laughs> you know, when when um, the captain of the Shrike comes on and just intimidating the, the crap out of, um, out of him. And <laughs> when she goes, it's like, what way to stand up to her, Picard, you know, nice work there. Um, you know, so you don't, uh, you don't get to see people talk. You don't it, really, you don't see anybody talk to Picard or Riker this way uh, throughout the whole, you know, the years and years that we've been watching the show. And it's, and it's refreshing because they did it. I mean, the, the actor's good and the, the writing's good. It's not too much, but it just gets to the line of disrespect. So, um, but he's also a, a decent captain. Yeah, I mean, he's doing the right thing. I mean, he doesn't, you know, when when Seven's trying to get him to near the beginning of the episode, when she's trying to get him to enter the nebula or whatever to save them, and he's like, uh, "No, they shouldn't have gone there. They know that they shouldn't have gone there. You know, you shouldn't have helped them. Blah blah blah. All these reasons why." And he's right. But you know what he isn't doing? He's not leaving. He's not warping away. Right. You know, he's he's being a, the captain. He's been placed in a situation that was not the situation he wanted to be in, but he's there, you know, and he's handling it. He's taking action so far the way he thinks is the best course of action. And when push comes to shove, you know, he goes in and saves him. But I just think it's interesting that he doesn't leave, you know. No. He's not, like, planning to leave. He doesn't tell LaForge, you know, plot us a way out of here they're on their own he doesn't do anything like that he doesn't even leave after they've retreated everybody from the helios well seven seven said we should get out of here and he's like nope we're here we're gonna find oh out yeah that's right you're with. right he says no i want to know who this these people are that we have effectively engaged with that's right yeah steve your first thoughts yeah yeah so it's and i, I also like uh the uh the balance kind of if you want to call them a and b stories or whatever but you know they would the how the how they go back and forth between those is also really good it was good in the first episode as well but uh with uh rafi and ultimately we've discovered wharf and so on involved in that story how they kind of go back and forth between them at a really good pace you know you you there's never a time like i I'm sick of this part. I want to see this part, or they jump in between them too quickly, or something like that. I think they did a good job with that. Yeah, Worf's introduction in this, this uh, uh, season is this is fantastic. In this episode, I just loved how that transpired. You got the the Klingon Jerry Goldsmith Klingon music theme. Yeah, <laughs> yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But yeah, and I I agree with uh, what you said about Shaw as well, and I think a lot of that has to do with that he's he's consistent the way he is. You understand where he's coming from, even if you don't may not like it, and he's got an arc. I mean, they just they as this as the whole thing progresses, he they kind of more and more humanize him in a way to you know where he even develops this recurring character throughout this throughout this. Yeah, he's not always. You know, a lot of times when we get these, you know, captains that are, you know, not really the captain, but they're, the ca- they're kind of just a one-dimensional character. And that's what I kind of led. They didn't do that with I mean, they could have easily written him off as a one-dimensional character, maybe killed him off um, in a couple of these first episodes. But they didn't do that. And I think that was, it was a great idea because, like I said, it's he very well-performed, written, and, yeah, it's – and, um, you know, you will see, you know, how it involves Seven later on. Well, he's – you know, he's dead-naming Seven here. And, you know, that's one of the many things that he has in that arc, but we, you know, where he gets to with that. But, you know, by that last episode, when we see something that he recorded before even this first, the first episode today. Yeah, you really see kind of who he is, but we meet uh, Vatic, who I keep wanting to say something like Vedic. It's so close to Vedic, but it's not Vedic. It's Vatic. She's good. Vatic. It's not a Vedic. It's a good villain. Amanda Plummer is, a, a, of course, a great actress, and she really chews it up every time she's on scene, screen. This is the episode where she has that, yeah, that bit where she's talking to, you know, she kind of like scares the bejesus out of, out of uh, uh, Shaw. She has that bit about the clock. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I said, the funny line is when Shaw looked at Picard, he's like, way to stand up to her. <laughs> <laughs> well, because Picard had some line about what we need to be doing is standing, standing up. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, I mean, it was, you get a little comic, comic, you know, life is comedy too, right? Yeah, actually, that's another thing this, this show does well is it has a little bit of comedy, but it has just the right amount. It doesn't have, like, like in the movies, I often felt like they would do too much comedy. Maybe in the show, they wouldn't do enough. But like the last episode, we had that bit with uh, Riker and Picard first arrive on the Elios, and Riker says something like, "Great, as long as we don't need to move or shoot, we'll do just fine," or you know, <laughs> something like that. This episode has a, has, you know, probably certainly my top five favorite moments of this of this series. Probably even higher than that. Top two, I don't know. But there's a moment near the ep- end of this episode. That whole sequence, when when Beverly silently she she comes onto the bridge, Riker brings her onto the bridge. She's injured, and all she she gives Picard a look. She doesn't say anything. She literally has no lines in this episode. That's when Picard goes into admiral mode, you know, which he did not employ prior to now. He didn't do it in the dinner scene in the first one, right? It took something of this level, and he says, when you know, when Shaw says. Why are we going to go up against this this vessel that's clearly capable of kicking our butt? And Picard says, "Because he's my son." And Shaw, I love his his response. It's like, "Oh God damn it!" Yeah. <laughs> it's so perfect. It's so great because yeah. he's like, "Okay, well, I guess that's what we're going to do then." You know, because he can't. He's not going to argue against that. He's beaten. But he, I mean, he could. He, all the same, Starfleety. Let's. Uh, you know regulations kind of arguments he could make those arguments they're just as applicable before picard said because he's my son 
as they are after Picard said, because he's my son. But Shaw doesn't even go there. He immediately understands what this means. And he's just, he's frustrated. That's what, hence the line. But he's like, full power to shields, the forge get ready to fly. I love that bit. It's so great. And the way he plays it, you know, it's just, he's exasperated, but it's perfect. It's great. That's what Steve was referring to. They humanize him because up to this point, you're not sure if he's going to be a one-dimensional oh, yeah. character yeah. or not, but that starts to humanize him. Like, okay, he empathize, he clearly can empathize yeah. with Picard's situation and he takes his side. Um, and it's a kind of, it's kind of a contradiction of what we've gotten up to this point. So it was a, um, it was almost a little bit of a surprise that he went for it, but I mean, it, it worked well in the, the way the writers put it together. I like uh, I like the evil for the, the evil Ferengi. I mean, in a way, all Ferengis were, you know, compar- comparably maybe had a little twinkle of evil is too strong a word, but you know what I'm saying. Um, but no, this one, this guy is not. He's not there for laughs. He is evil. Yeah. He is a bad dude. He's taking heads uh, and taking names yes. and taking heads. Literally, yeah. <laughs> Um, it's like later in the season, we're going to see an evil Vulcan, which I thought was really cool. But again, it's not, there's no comedy there. You know, like this show is smart about when it employs those things. Very judicious, judicious use of comedy. And that Sneed, other than having a funny sounding name, is not a character, funny character at all. You know, he's smart. He has the upper hand of that entire scene. It's another scene another scene where it plays differently the second time you watch it because you know he knows everything already. Rafi is completely screwed, and the only reason she gets out of there is because Borf, Borf shows up. I also like this, the, what was it, the brig scene? That was the first scene between Picard and Jack. And, you know, at this point, Picard is... It's a good is, scene, yeah. yeah. At this point, Picard is in full, this might be my might be my kid mode. And obviously, yeah, well, they, you know, they seem to be, they're having an argument about something else, or the, their voices are raising, and then in the middle of it, Picard says, who's your father? And and it gives context to everything else he's said, like, he doesn't care about, you know, they're having an argument about whether he stole medical supplies or something, he doesn't care at all, that's not what he's there, you know. Wants to know. Yeah. No, you it's, know, we'll get more good. context in the next couple episodes of what was going on with Jack. Yeah, well, like you, you mentioned earlier, I, I agree. We're, in two weeks, we're going to be talking about the th- episode three, the scene in sickbay between Crusher and Picard, and which might be might be the best scene in the whole season. Well, and from that point of view, then the the whole series Picard, it's a it's a great scene. I'm looking forward to talking about that one in a couple of weeks. What is this episode about? Um, if the first episode was more about you know your past. You can't run it, you know, you can't, you can't ignore your past. You can't, you know, you have to face your past. This episode, I guess, is your fat, your past coming face to face with you. Um, I think, you know, the scene that we were talking about with the brig, Picard, throughout this whole episode, the card is conflicted. Is, is this my son? Is this not my son? And I mean, it's not, it's not really said out loud except from Riker. Um, so what we were talking about in the first episode that, this is the fruition of like, okay, this is your past coming, coming to you face to face. So that's in, another thing with this episode, this episode's a little more faster paced. Um, you know, it's one of those episodes where they got a lot going on. Um, so I had a little bit harder time coming up with exactly what it was about, but that's what I mostly took from it. Yeah. And you do have some common threads uh, going throughout in terms of making 
choices and living with the choices of career and family and what you're doing, this kind of this stuff too, because we saw with Rafi and uh, her choices and her, the, the choices she continues to make. And then um, with, uh, you know, Picard and obviously the revelation that he's got a son, but also like, you know, and to some extent, of course, we find that he didn't have much of a choice whether or not he's going to, you know, be part of his life for the first 20 years. But um, the choices you make and what you choose to emphasize in your life and then coming to terms with that. And do you have a, you know, do you have a second chance to to what do you do with that second chance? You know, do you do you do you go for it? Do you do that or continue to make those same choices like Rafi and Picard and these two uh, two um plot lines or whatever there's there's a different answer so i think that's that's a, another theme that goes throughout this episode rafi's ex-husband who's a dick make a choice well that that moment is really great though yeah and you see the anguish on her face when she's she's choosing she's choosing the mission over over her, her son and her grandchild but it's the right choice because she's looking to save lives and, um, you know, I mean, as the audience, we were clued in a little bit more with that scene than maybe her ex-husband was. What her ex-husband's probably seen is just the, the junkie, whereas us as the audience, I mean, this is the advantage of seeing the first two seasons, knowing Rafi. We know she's legit at this point. She's actually trying to save lives. And I'll remind people about that book that is like the pre-season one book that is all about Rafi leaving, you know, leaving her family, choosing, choosing to leave her family to go be with Picard and on the ship and, you know, saving the Romulans and all that. All right. Uh, Steve Heather. Yep. Let's do six degrees for disengage. Adam, Michael Dorn returns as Worf. When was the last time we saw him play the character? That had been Nemesis. Yes, sir. It was Star Trek Nemesis in 2002. Adam with one point takes it for the day. Uh, had I watched, I don't think I had, I don't think I'd watched the 4K transfers of the next gen movies on our last podcast. Right. Cause it's been like three weeks since, cause we skipped a week. Uh, they're awesome. The show, the movies are, the movie, it elevates the quality of all the movies to see them in a wonderful, spiffy new 4K transfer and just makes them all feel modern. They're so great. If you, if you have the means, I highly recommend, uh, picking up the next gen 4k movie set it's great um i don't think we've had any other news really you know there's one thing this episode uh, one thing this show does another thing you know you have to confront the age question uh and this this today's two episodes do it a lot and it's not just with uh not just with humor but you know it's it's always there um, we know that the age of the different characters figures heavily into the storyline by the time you get to the end of season three, not just in the obvious ways, but I like that Picard isn't running around like he was in first contact with that muscle shirt on or something, you know, <laughs> right? What were we going to say, Steve? The uh, Michelle Yo movie has happened in the last three yes. weeks. Talking about so that's unprecedented. We're going to get a made-for-TV Star Trek movie, which hasn't like really happened. Obviously, we've had plenty of two-parters and stuff, and even a couple of times, or at least one time, like on Voyager, when they were aired, 
you know, together as if they were, as if it was a movie or something, but we've never just had a standalone. I have to believe everything everywhere all at once helped push that. Well, I, unfortunately it might've also pushed it from a show to a movie. You know, she's like super popular, more expensive now, probably her schedule is more busy. Um, I mean, it's speculation, but you know, it feels like maybe that was part of it. And it, the, the other reason that we normally don't get made for TV Star Trek movies is because they amortize the cost of like on this, like on Picard season three, they built the Titan bridges and all they built the Titan bridge and all the Titan sets and stuff. And they use it in lots and lots of episodes. They use it in a lot more than two hours worth. You can do that on a movie in a way that you normally can't on a TV show. So I will be ha- excited to see what they do. I hope it doesn't feel, I don't expect it to feel cheap, but you know, I hope it doesn't. Um, but of course, that's really cool, and I, I hope that it's the first of of many. Whether it's good or bad, if it's... I was reading, she was pretty excited about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. She was pretty excited about doing, coming back, doing the character. All right, well, folks, uh, so happy. I'm happy to be watching this show again. <laughs> uh, it's good, it's good, it's good, and it's fun, and it's great to see it on the big screen, big scope screen. Highly recommend that. <laughs> It's really pretty. The effects are so good. You know, I was thinking when there, there was a shot of the... T- we first see the Titan inside Space Dock. Space Dock is in this show. Uh, more than one Space Dock, by the way. Because Geordi's thing is like... Uh, I, I, I don't know if they said it explicitly, but I got the impression maybe Geordi's museum is the old Space Dock. But if that's true, how do you move that thing? It doesn't travel at light speed or something. I don't, I don't know. But So maybe it's not. I don't know the shot where we first see the Titan like in space dock. And I just thought this looks, this looks like the, the model in Star Trek three in the space dock. It really looks that good to me. Uh, yes. I'm an old school movie lover. There's something tactile about models that I'm always going to love, but I've, I've, I'm not sure I've ever seen special effects on a television show and thought, I mean, if you told me this was a model, I would believe you. It looked it looked the same. It's right down to the panels. And when it's leaving Space Dock, the way it's reflecting, like all you know, all the little square panels that make up the this buzzer section paneling and all that stuff. It, it, the whole, I mean, yeah. It looked great. The special effects were fantastic. You know? We got the roller coastery stuff in Discovery, and that's fun and all, but I want I want my ship to be slow moving. <laughs> um one quarter impulse speed, which I'm pretty sure is against regulations, but that's okay. In space dock, it's just be using thrusters. But uh, all right, so very excited. We're gonna be back in two weeks to discuss the next two episodes of Picard's third season. You can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Our Twitter handle is at trekcompanion. Thank you so much for spending an hour with us. Come on back in two weeks for the next couple episodes of Picard season three. Until then, take it easy. Bye, guys. See ya.
done, I passed it.